Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it's good to see you this morning. We're glad that you're here, and House of the Lord is a good place to be on a good Sunday morning like this, and we're grateful that uh, God is going to touch your life today in this church. I, I just know that for sure. And uh, I just, I pray that you've come into the place with an expectancy and a readiness to realize the blessing of God here this morning. And well, there's some special things that we want to do today, and, and, but one of those things is we want to read from the Word to get us going here this morning. Would you mind standing with me, please, as we read from God's Word? I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 25. This is a passage uh, that's embedded in the Sermon on the Mount. These are the words of Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which one of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things." Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord with the family of God, the people of faith. Father, today I pray that this will be a day of encouragement. I pray that it will be a day of great grace. I pray that it will be a day in which the power of God touches many people's lives and their, and their families. So, Father, today I pray that throughout this congregation, there would be the blessing of God. I pray that you're going to open up our hearts so that we can respond to the worship and we respond to the word of God. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you that your provision is, is always available to us and it is everlasting. Father, we thank you for caring for our homes and our families. And Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ today, that you will release the power of your Holy Spirit to just invade this place of worship. Come among us, walk among us, touch our lives. Father, may you help us to become very aware of your great presence. And today we thank you all in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read uh, just a few verses here, beginning in verse 10. <clears throat> this is one of these messages I had not planned on 
even speaking on this particular subject, believe it or not, I had something else in mind and uh, long about very late in the week. I guess I felt like there was a being directed of the Lord to move in a different direction. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitudes rejoiced for all, for all of the glorious things that were done by him. I want to speak for a few moments here today about the worth of a woman. One of the most debated questions that's uh, a part of the church, and this has been a part of the church for many, many years, a debated question is, what is the role of women in ministry? The questions form quickly. Can a woman preach? Should she be a pastor? Can they sing solos? How should they dress? How long should their hair be? Should they wear a head covering? And I tell you what, I can, this list can get long. I remember when we were Bible school students, every Sunday night, we went to Maranatha Village, which was, a, uh, which was a retirement center for basically retired ministers and missionaries. And we went there every Sunday night for ministry. One of us would speak, the others would sing and do all kinds of stuff. And, you know, it was what you did. That's what, well, that's what we did. And we did that every night, or every, every Sunday night. And I remember one night... Uh, Joan and I were walking in. Actually, I was already doing something, and she was walking kind of down the center aisle of their chapel. And one of the dear old saints, dear saintly lady, and she, <laughs> I, I, I wish she was, well, no, I don't, I would never demonstrate this. But anyway, uh, anyway, she just reached out and kind of tugged on the her bottom of her skirt. And she said, oh, she's coming back. <laughs> and she said, Missy, that's too short. <laughs> well, I don't know. Joan's got some contraption on today that, <laughs> that you never, you, that dear old sister would never say that. But um, anyway, you know, it's, those are things that's, you know, of all the things that you learn to think of in Bible school, that one stayed with us for quite some time. That's been about 40-some years ago. But um, 
Anyway, I do not consider myself any kind of a great authority on women, and that is after 48 years of marriage. Uh, and this morning, I'm not intending to try to offer responses to all the questions I raised. I do have opinions on them, of course, but I'd like to take us on a journey so that we could see what Jesus thought about it. What, what, what did Jesus say about these things? How did Jesus treat women? And how did they respond to him? In fact, it's interesting in the Gospel of Luke, Luke emphasizes this above all of the other Gospel writers. Luke speaks of it 24 different instances in which he engaged women in some particular way in which we can also draw a certain kind of a certain level of uh, information or even teaching from what he was saying. Luke is unusual in the gospel writers because he takes care to record for us the, the emotion and the responses of women as they reacted to Jesus. It's Luke who tells us that when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist and when she met Mary and learned that Mary was expecting, the Bible says the baby leaped within her womb. And I'm sure every woman here that has had the opportunity to have children can respond to that and understand something like that. It was Mary, it was then Mary that breaks out into what we call the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my salvation. It's Luke who tells us about the gentleness of Mary as she wraps Jesus, her newborn, in the, in the swaddling clothes and gently lays him in a manger. And you might be sitting here and say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I think the big deal is, is the fact that God thought it was important enough that he put it in the word of God, which is eternal. And he wanted us to remember that. He wanted us to, 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 to understand something about that particular expression. Luke chapter 7, I'm going to turn back a few pages in my Bible to Luke chapter 7. There's an interesting little uh, vignette here of a story of a sinful woman and, uh, and Jesus getting invited to, uh, to eat at one of the homes of a well-respected, obviously a very wealthy Pharisee. And so Jesus is invited to have dinner at this uh, Pharisee's home. Now, you've got to understand something. I want to show you. The, it, it, it was like, in those days, it was like putting up a table on, like on the sidewalk of Main Street. And you're going to sit there and eat, and people would walking by. This is a, usually a very public kind of a thing. And people would walk by. There would be various people and, and all kinds of folks. And so it is, this woman shows up at this meal. <clears throat> and there's some interesting dynamics that start to take place here immediately in this thing. Wealthy friends, great banquet table. Jesus is the invited guest, but guess what? He was unwashed. The host did not provide him with any kind of a servant or basin to wash his feet and hands, which would then be considered unclean. There are others who were in on it here. When you read this little story in, in Luke chapter 7, you realize that this is a little bit of a conspiracy going on here because it wasn't just Simon that was in on it. There were several others. 
There was somebody in the courtyard that day, and the Bible simply describes her as a sinful woman. And she quietly comes in with all of the serving and all the servants, and she quietly comes in, and she kneels down beside Jesus. And the Bible says she let her hair down, which in that culture, letting your hair down would be something that you would only do in the presence of your husband. She let her hair down. And she began with her tears. And she began to wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair. And then she took an alabaster flax. And alabaster is a very soft kind of a stone. It's very, you can carve it very easily. It was filled with very expensive perfume. And she began to place it, put it on the feet of Jesus. Now by this time, the rest of the people began to notice this. And they were curious, what is Jesus going to do about this woman who is doing this? Because she had already broken all kinds of ceremonial laws and everything else. And the host has deliberately insulted Jesus with the unwashed feet just to show how superior they really were. Jesus turns the tables on him. He criticizes his host. He stands up and he turns his back on his host and he looks with compassion on this woman. You have treated me with contempt, but this woman, this woman has cleansed my feet with her tears. And there was no rabbi in Jesus' day that would allow a woman to be a part of the inner circle. And yet Jesus allowed women to be a part of that inner circle, even questionable women. Mary and Martha's house was always a place of refuge, a quiet retreat for, for Jesus away from the crowds who was always basically hammering him for miracles, for something to eat, whatever it was. We come to the crucifixion and all of the disciples had fled, but it was the women who remained on watch at the foot of the cross. There was nothing to do except be there. And that was important. The women were there when Jesus' death came. Luke tells us it was the women who came to the tomb early in the morning and they came to prepare his body for the burial. And from the time Jesus entered the world as a tiny baby, and then all of the way to the cross, we find Jesus ministering and encouraged by women. They were gifts from God, and they accepted their ministry. Jesus was sensitive. He was caring. Jesus comes to Peter's house, and, and his mother-in-law was sick. And in the tradition of those days, it didn't matter if you were sick or not, you still were expected to serve the guests the dinner or the lunch or whatever the meal was going to be. But instead, Jesus turned to the sick mother-in-law, laid his hands on her, and told her to be healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus opposed <clears throat> the misuse of organized religions 
and all of the prejudices that were against uh, women of that day. In Luke chapter 13, I'm going to back to my text again. In Luke chapter 13, it's the Sabbath, and Jesus heals a woman. And I want you to get a clear picture of what is happening here. Understand, the ministry of Jesus was often in conflict with the, uh, with the religious leaders of the day, and none of those conflicts was greater than what was happening on the Sabbath. And so, to them the Sabbath was the very heart of Judaism. And this isn't the first time that Jesus crossed with the uh, Pharisees on the Sabbath day. The synagogue has got to be jam-packed. It's full. You've got to understand that synagogue would only allow men in, into the main chamber. Only men would be allowed. Women would have to stand like in our foyer. They could, they could stand back there, but they couldn't come in here. So this gives you a kind of a bit of a picture of what was happening here. And he, Jesus was in town. He was in the congregation. All the men were here. The women were out in the, like in the foyer place. He takes the scroll of the law. And he's going to read from the scroll of the law. And in the back there's a little bit of a commotion. And here is this woman that's, that's humped over. Bent over. Because the Bible said for 18 years... <clears throat> there was a demonic influence of some type that created a, some type of an illness, some type of a sickness that, that was causing her to be bent over in a very uncomfortable way. And she began to shuffle her way <coughs> to the front of that, of that sanctuary. Jesus calls her forward and she did come. <coughs> Excuse me. She calls her forward and he interrupts the teaching of the word. I, I, want to, I want to just stop and say, I believe that was a step of faith on that part of that woman. She knew the rules. She knew what was expected. She knew she had just invaded territory that did not belong to her. <clears throat> Second, Jesus breaks with the culture of the day when he speaks to her. In that day, there were rabbis who would pray. And this is an actual prayer of some of these rabbis. <clears throat> Their prayer would sound like this. <clears throat> I thank thee, Lord, that I was not born a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. <laughs> How do you like that for a welcome to church? No wonder they were shocked. Because Jesus spoke to this woman right in front of the synagogue. Number three, she came to Jesus and Jesus did something else that just rattled everybody. He touched her. He touched her. Jewish author Alfred Edersheim, and I've got some, one of his books, says there is a group of Pharisees and I, that was called the black and blue Pharisees. Have I told you this before? It's kind of funny. They were called the black and blue Pharisees because when they were walking down the street, if they happened to notice a Gentile woman, they would close their eyes and keep on walking. And uh, obviously, sometimes they would run into buildings and, and carts and everything else and fall down. And that's why they were called the black and blue Pharisees. Because they felt like, they, they, I don't want to be 
I, I don't want to become unclean if I see a Gentile woman. They were so strict in their observance of the law that they would not risk this. And finally, Jesus affirms her worth, and I love this. Jesus affirms her worth in society. The men in that synagogue were all saying, what is she doing here? What is she doing in the middle of this congregation right here? Jesus, the Bible says Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what was going on in their lives. He knew the thinking. And he tells them a story, a kind of a brief little story embedded into this particular larger story about helping an ox or a donkey if it was on the Sabbath. You'd go ahead and take care of the ox or the donkey. And he explained to them, this woman is far more valuable than oxen or donkeys. She is a daughter of Abraham. I can tell you why this episode is so critical. Because Jesus was actually putting his life at risk for the sake of this woman. Jesus demonstrated kindness, mercy. He did other acts of kindness, and these would eventually nail him to a cross. But I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus was literally illustrating, literally illustrating before this crowd, this is the spiritual condition of Israel. You honor all of your all of your rules, your regulations, your ceremonies, and everything else, and you ignore. You literally ignore those who have the needs and the hurts and the pain of their life. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We have to be careful of that ourselves. There's plenty of churches today that are more in love with their ceremonies and their rituals than they are people. And it's shameful. Literally shameful. We must be careful that we do not cross those lines and find ourselves in the same thing. It's interesting as you read through the four Gospels, you never find Jesus putting down a woman. I wish we could all say that. I'm sure I have done it. I've crossed that line. Other men have crossed that line where we've made fun of women, sometimes in a joking, fun type way, and that's, that's one thing. But I think there's other ways, too. We look at women in an inappropriate way. Or we've said to this woman, this is man stuff. You would never understand it. We've got to do better than that. I'm getting some weird stares out here today, and I'm about ready to run out the back door. I've even got some women, I think, are upset at me. That's too bad, because I'm about one minute away from closing. Luke chapter 18 tells us about a widow woman, and Jesus is walking into the, Jesus is walking into the, uh, into the synagogue, or into the temple with, the, with his disciples, and they're giving in the offering. They're, they do the offering different in those days. They had kind of a, a funnel-shaped thing in which they would put their money in as they walked by. And Jesus was standing there watching this whole process. And a person, a widow who was very poor, came in and took two small copper coins and dropped them in the offering. And he stopped and he says, he told his disciples, he says, did you see that? This woman has given more 
than all of these other rich characters that was flowing by. And a lot of the Pharisees would like to do it this way. They would take their money and they would hold it up high and drop it so it would make a lot of noise. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons we got rid of those 10 offering plates around this place. <laughs> Just in case we had any Pharisees here. Uh, <laughs> we have bags now. <laughs> and you can't make your quarter bounce in the bottom of the bag anymore. So anyway, they, uh, they said that Jesus was also, and so he's in the temple here. Folks, this story became a paradigm throughout the entire Bible, a model of generosity for all of the people of all ages. Janet, would you come back, please? Folks, let me tell you something. Jesus was a man in every sense of the word. This was not some little limp-wristed guy. He was a man in every sense of the word. And because of that, because of that, he never had to prove anything. Not one thing. And that's why I believe he was never intimidated by a woman or felt the need to put one down. I tell you what, in my lifetime, I've heard some excellent women speakers. When I was in Bible school, generally speaking, well, not generally speaking, always speaking, the largest crowd that we would have in our chapel, not only that, they would crowd the chapel, we'd get guests in on this day. When Dr. Opal Redden would speak, she's a person that I just highly esteem. She's in heaven now. But I'm telling you, they packed the chapel out to hear her. Because she always had, she had a, a rich word from God that touched so many people's hearts and lives. He just wanted to be in the building. I enjoy the ministry of people like Beth Moore. I enjoy her ministry. She intimidates a lot of people, especially men. And I think it's because she's so good. Come see me if you disagree. <clears throat> she's good. If I could get her to come here to speak on a Sunday morning, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Amen? <laughs> okay, Stan. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Father, we thank you today for giving us the word of God. We thank you for your word that instructs us, your word that teaches us, and a word that satisfies every need of our life. Father, I pray earnestly today that we would use this occasion to esteem the women of our church. We thank God for every one of them. We thank you, Father, for allowing them to serve in many capacities. We thank you, Father, for those that oftentimes serve well behind the scenes. Sometimes we never see them. But, Father, we thank you for them. Father, I pray that 
we would take the larger lesson of this passage of Scripture and have tender and open hearts to people with great needs. Father, I pray that the things that we do on Sunday morning, I pray that they would be used by you to be able to speak into people's lives, into hearts. Touch hearts and lives today in a special way in this church, in this service. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.